Welcome to Reading the Bible Together podcast. I'm your host, Angela Smith. All of those normal questions cause a fear to rise in me. Um, and, the, and the tendency for me in that space is to go back to my own strengths, right? I'm a planner. I'm, uh, I, I want to I plan it out. I want to achieve. I want to execute the plans. Um, but that, that's sort of, that's, found, that's, a, that's a level that God wants to take us beyond. I really do think that he, he wants us to, to lead these lives of obedience. And he wants to teach us that it's actually through obedience that we get rid of that fear. This series, we're studying 1 Peter, and I am so glad you're here. Today, we're looking at 1 Peter 1, 10 through 25, and my guest today is Van Bennett. He lives just outside of D.C. on a farm with his wife, Brooke. He's worked in government for over 20 years. He's a regular guest on Susie Larson Live, and he's going through a time in his life where I thought talking about obedience and reverent fear would be especially poignant. Welcome, Than. Thanks, Angela. It's fun to be on with you. And what a uh, what a beautiful, beautiful passage we have to think about today. There's so much richness here. So, uh, really looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, I I am too. You know, when I was reading this, and there's a lot of a lot about reverent fear. There's a lot about obedience in this passage. And I was thinking about the you know where you find yourself in life right now. Would you talk just a little bit about about that? Yeah, sure. You know, I there there's always been a, a tension sort of in my spirit, uh, Angela, and I think probably for a lot of people between uh, works and grace, right? Mm-hmm. We know that the, the cross alone saves, uh, but if we're walking in true faith, that's going to result in, in obedience. And um, God has just really been taking our family through um, a period of trying to teach us and draw us into greater obedience to him. And uh, what that has looked like in our life is uh, something that has in- invoked a lot of good old fashioned fear, right? I mean, you, you, you talk <laughs> about reverent fear, and, mm-hmm. and I think we'll probably get into that in a little bit. Um, but we, we've had some, some good old fashioned fear because he's asked us actually to step away from um, what has been our main source of income for the last 20 years, which is, like you mentioned, work in government. And he is calling us into uh, a, a bit of unknown. And uh, without going into all of the details, that's going to involve a lot of time being spent uh, devoted to uh, finding families for uh, children without a home. And uh, so we're going to be devoting a lot of our time to that and then uh, launching a, a small business of our own as well to, to make uh uh, to make income uh, to to support the family, but Angela, as it relates to this passage, I think I would come back to that tension between uh, works and grace. I know very deeply that none of my works uh, save me, but I also know that if I am truly obeying uh, Jesus Christ, my my life needs to look very different than those around me. Otherwise, there's not a not a real important purpose for me being here on earth. My 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 life should look very different than those who have not. Uh, given their life to Christ. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think we're just in a period where he's calling us deeper into that understanding. And it's a, it's a learning and a growing process. Yeah. Stretching. <laughs> mm. you, can, like, you know, like when muscle is built, it's usually from it tearing and ripping. And it sounds like that. It's a, a little bit of that process of ripping and tearing to, for there to be growth in that process. Uh, yeah, totally agree. I probably need a more, a little bit more of that physical working out too, to be honest with you. But, <laughs> same, but, same here. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, I, I think, though, um, one of the things I love about the passage that we're going to talk about today is 
Peter kind of opens, and I I know you've already talked about this previously, but he opens this letter uh, talking about a living hope and and that unshakable inheritance, the the salvation of our souls. And and he, 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 he starts this letter by just reminding people that's the foundation, that's the security, that's the salvation. Uh, because then he leads us into this passage we're talking about today that really is more about how, how do we walk that out? How does that look like in our lives? What do, what do the works look like? And so I know we probably are going to talk mostly about things that sound like works, but I do think it's just really important to really stress at the beginning of that conversation the works and our daily obedience, that's not what saves us. It's that living hope. It's that unshakable inheritance. Um, it's, the, it's the work that, that Christ did on the cross that, that, that ultimately saves us. Yeah, and it says right in verse 9, the reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. It's that trusting. It's the, it's the relationship with him because that we can have because of the work that he did on, our, on the cross. And I, I'm so glad that you talked about that, about the, the, the tension between works and grace, because I think that's a tension that we, those of us who are following Christ, are continually wrestling with, because you're right, that's not where our salvation comes from. But I think that it it should be, and I'm just so convicted by saying that myself, it should be evident, you know, that that, that happens should be evident and it should spur us on and inspire us to to live like Christ lived which was in obedience to the father and unto the unto giving his own life for us and that's what he's calling us to he's calling us to that kind of obedience that that kind of life and so i i appreciate the the difference the the tension that you're talking about because i i i think that is important that, that that's not where our salvation comes from our salvation comes from trusting him but there should be an outflow of the of the works in our life. Would you mind? So we're going to be looking at first Peter 10 through 25. Um, what, so what has been, I was going to say, let's read it, but those are, that's a lot of, that's a lot of verses. <laughs> um, so what, what have been the things that have stood out to you most as you read through this passage? Well, a, a couple of things, uh, Angela. And I mean, I think just maybe, maybe to start up at the, at the, beginning of this stretch. I, I love how verses 10 through 12 talk about how even the angels long to know some of the mysteries that surround, you know, the a salvation and Christ's return and how, how those things work together. Um, but I, I love, um, let's see if I can find it here. Um, I love how uh, it, it talks about even the angels long to look into these things. Um, and when they did it, they were not serving themselves. These are talking about the prophets that foretold of the, of the coming. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. These are the people receiving Peter's letter mm-hmm. uh, when they spoke of these things. And so, you know, just kind of right out of the gate, I loved the fact uh, that Peter is, is talking about how these great pro- prophets were engaging in this work to serve all of us that would come after them. And I think this, I think this sort of marries nicely with uh, what we've already talked about and what we'll get to in more deeper in the passage here, that... Um, we have these big questions in our heart, right? These, these great revelations that our hearts are looking for uh, answers to, but they're actually, I think Angela discovered when we're actively in service of others, it's Mm -hmm. actually in that laying down of our lives, the active laying down, not just the, you know, trying to be humble or trying to exhibit the, the, the fruits of the spirit. It's actively laying down our lives for others. It's in doing that, that we find the, uh, the life worth living 
and we find a, a, a mission and a fulfillment that is beyond ourselves. So I, I love that he uh, that he opened the letter with that and saying that, you know, even the great prophets, it was uh, it, it, they, they realized that they were serving all of us that would come behind them. Yes. And, you know, I, I think sometimes it's easy for us to forget the, you know, what what is going to be the, the generational effect of the work that we do. You know, these prophets were serving the Lord. And I think sometimes, at least for myself, it, it, it can sometimes be easy to have a narrow view of what's happening and how God is using you. But we have no idea how, you know, like I've heard stories of um, a family member gets saved and then the whole family gets saved. And then there's this generational shift in the family because God entered the the equation with that family. And so we have no idea what the long-term effects are going to do when we kind of, you know, are able to participate. It's not anything we're doing. See, here's the tension again. <laughs> I mean, that's the work of the Spirit, but we get the opportunity to partner with what God is doing and, you know, that he will use us and to think about that, the, you know, the long going generational effects that that can have when we put ourselves in the way and alongside what God is already doing. And it makes me think of, you know, what you and your wife, Brooke, who I don't think I said her name in the intro. So Brooke is Dan's wife. Um, the, the work that you're doing with that you foster newborns. So you were just talking about how, in the midst of service is kind of when you flesh all these things out. Has that been your experience in with you and Brooke fostering newborns? No question about it. And, you know, um, maybe just to kind of add a little bit of color to that, you know, one, our service to newborns really was born out of a work that God was speaking into our heart at a time that I was writing my most recent book. Um, and that, that book is really right around this conversation that we're having, Angela, that, um, our time on earth really needs to be about amplifying the glory of God. And actually, <laughs> the end of this passage today where uh, Peter goes back and quotes Isaiah 40, talking about how all of us will wither like grass, but his glory is forever. It's really that that same theme. But um, during that time when we were sort of trying to to learn this, um, God really spoke to, to Brooke's heart and to my heart and um, I, I think I've, I think I've told you this before, Angela, God always speaks to her heart first mm. and, then, <laughs> and then maybe eventually it kind of trickles down to me, but no, but the message was, look, I, you, you, you're kind of understanding this in your minds, right? Mm-hmm. Now I want you to want walk you to it walk out. it out. Yeah. Right. And so at that season of our life, what he asked us to do was to step into service of newborns who uh, have been born and they're going to end up with a forever family, but they have a month or two where they need uh, someone to care for them. And so uh, we began partnering with an adoption agency. And this is the coolest thing in the world, Angela. We'll get a we'll get a phone call. I mean, we could get a phone call today mm-hmm. and uh, be asked to drive to the hospital tonight or tomorrow uh, to pick up a newborn. And that newborn would be with us for a month or two uh, before going to forever family. And I, I think the, the main point I would drive home here and just ask listeners to think about in their own lives is when we started this, we thought it would be service and it is, but I can tell you, we have taken more fulfillment and purpose and proximity to our savior through this partnership and through this ability to bring these children into our home than we've ever given back to them. And so I think that's the component of service that maybe isn't fully realized until we're walking it out, that it really is an 
It's an import of blessing that God wants to put into our lives that can only be um, that can only be downloaded through acts of service. And I, I think that's been the biggest takeaway for us. Mm, that's beautiful. I, I, I'm going to have to think about that one for a while. Hmm. Like that that intersection of service and knowing God more. As you were talking, it, I think what it always kind of brings up in me is a little bit of nausea. You know, when God's hmm. calling you to do something and there's that fear of the unknown, but also the strong desire to be obedient. Too. So there's a, I think there's a tension there. And, you know, as we're going on, this, a place that I landed for a long time was in verse 17. And remember that the Heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time as foreigners in the land. And, you know, I, you know, people talk a lot about the fear of the Lord, fearing God, you know, in Psalm 139, when it talks about that we were um, fearfully and wonderfully made, and a lot of a lot of time that that's that's the reverent fear. It's um, yeah, out of reverence, and here it's reverent fear. But when it was interesting, when I went and looked at the Greek word, which I can't remember what the Greek word is now, it was really a, like fear, afraid, and mm-hmm. you know, I I've often heard people talk about you know fear of the Lord isn't like that. It's a it's a reverent fear. But it was interesting to go back and study that word that Greek word, and that it really was afraid. And then I, you know, to go on to read and what this passage is talking about that, what do you like, Peter's not pulling any punches, you know, he's getting down to the kind of the brass tacks of what Jesus has done for us and what Jesus is saving us from. And that should invoke some kind of fear. So it was an interesting to kind of wrestle with that fear that it's always been this, Oh, it's reverent fear. And Hmm. no, there is, I think there is a little bit of afraid, there should be a little afraid because there is something significant that we have been saved from. Yeah, I love that so much, Angela. And, and you know, in my experience, this is this is both and. I mean, if you're mm-hmm. walking in reverent fear uh, of God, He's going to call you into places that, in and of your own strength, you're you're afraid of. I mean, I, I'll, I'll just confess. I'm. We're, I mean, I think I already said this a little bit, but we're in that place right now. Um, we're in a place where we're attempting to fear his commands. That's reverent fear, right? That's mm-hmm. what this passage is maybe primarily talking about. Um, but but the the fears, the real fears, like the practical, tangible fears are there. I mean, who, you know, who, who's going to hire me? Where Where's my income going to come mm-hmm. from? Uh, will my family be secure as I lead them into this uh, place of, of, of uh, service? All of those normal questions cause uh, fear to rise in me. Um, and that, and the tendency for me in that space is to go back to my own strengths, right? I'm a mm-hmm. planner. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I want to, I want to plan it out. I want to achieve, I want to execute the plans. Um, but that, that's sort of, that's found, that's a, that's a level that God wants to take us beyond. I really do think that he, he wants us to, to lead these lives of obedience and he wants to teach us that it's actually through obedience that we get rid of that fear. That, that's how the that's how the fear of falling flat on our face is actually overcome by walking in obedience to him, by trusting that he is going to take care of us and then watching uh, him come through. And, you know, the, the one other thing I think I would say on that, Angela, at the at the end of that passage you referenced at verse 22, it, it talks about how obedience really leads us to love of others. It doesn't lead us to uh, 
conquest. It, it leads us to love. And, and as I was reading the passage, I, I thought about what, what does it say in other places in Scripture? I think about uh, the, the Gospel of John. It says that we'll be known by our love. It says how that's how the world's going to know that we're his disciples. But then maybe, maybe the clincher for me, how is the world going to know him? Mm. The world's going to know him if we love them. Mm. We're the we're the conduit. So um, I just I don't know this interplay between fear and obedience. It's um, I've always known it was there. But again, kind of like we talked about with the babies, when, when you actually walk it out, it becomes very real. Yeah. As you were talking, it was reminding me of a time of obedience where um, I had an, another podcast and it was called Retreat House. And my husband and I had felt that God was calling me to open a retreat house. And so that was that's what I was working toward. And there, I mean, there's that's a huge financial piece. That's like a whole other property that you're responsible for and a whole big thing, which long story, but it, it, it's what God used to end up bringing me to Faith Radio. But in the midst of it, there was a, a letting go. And I remember feeling like, There were all the, I had built this proverbial wall all around me, kind of like of self-protection and, you know, like what you were saying, you know, I had my plans. I, I'm, I am a recovering controller. So, you know, (laughs) I was trying to control things. I had this wall built all around me to keep me safe. And I felt like God was calling, like God knocked down the wall and I was sitting in the rubble of the wall, not really knowing what to do, not wanting to rebuild it but not knowing how to operate without my wall of safety Mm. around me. And so as you were talking about that intersection of, you know, fear and obedience, that's what I thought of, that sometimes that's what it can feel like. You know, we have all of these, we have our frameworks around us of how we live our life. And sometimes God calls us to live outside of that framework. You know, these things that are, 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 uh, you know, the things, our foundations, oh, I'm just preaching to myself, yeah. but our foundation is the cornerstone. It, our our foundation is Christ. And so, and, you know, since then, so what I did was just put one foot in front of the other, mm-hmm. you know, moving forward with like, okay, Lord, I'm going to move and you lead. And as I said, that ended up leading me to faith radio, but I, I have learned that I can be obedient because he will be faithful. So like every opportunity that we have to be obedient and then we get to see him come through is like an Ebenezer. It's a remembrance of that, that God is faithful. Not to say that I like, you know, you could say that I was not successful with retreat house because I did in fact never open a retreat house, but it's what he used to bring me to where I am, where I believe I'm supposed to be. But it was acts of obedience and seeing him show up seeing him do the work that he was going to do when it was not necessarily what my plan was. But, but do you understand what I'm saying? Like we can build on the, every time we trust him and he shows up that obedience. I don't know if it becomes easier, but maybe it takes me less time (laughs) to say yes. Well, I I would say this, Angela, I, I think probably the primary thing he was after the first thing he was after was the relationship with you that would be the obedience to his, his voice. Right. Mm -hmm. And maybe that, maybe the, maybe the first thing that you heard him uh, call you to do is still going to happen one day, but if he can get you into that relationship where you're listening to his voice and you're willing to walk it out, um, you know, maybe he has something else that he wants to say. Maybe it was the call to faith radio and, 
you know, I, I'll, I'll just tell you maybe a couple of things. I, as we've been walking through this change, one of the things that I've had to get more comfortable with saying is, I don't know. Mm-hmm. When someone asks me how I'm going to accomplish a stated goal that I have, like our goal is to find and fund a family for every adoption eligible foster child in America. Huge goal, right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. someone someone says, how are you going to do that? Well, I, I mean, I do have a three-part strategy on paper, but the truth is I, I don't know because I, I can't do it. Only God can. But I know that he's called us. Uh, to step into doing it. So I've just got to get comfortable with, you know, having more questions than answers and, and questions that only he can ask. And the other thought that came to mind when you were, when you were talking there, and I think this is, this is so good. You kind of suggested this, but I, I really think listeners need to hear this. True surrender to Christ is always marked by obedience. And mm-hmm. so while works don't save us, obedience is going to be present whenever we've truly given our lives over to Jesus. And I've had to ask this question in my life. If there's an absence of obedience, have I actually surrendered? Mm. And I think the answer is pretty conclusively no. So my obedience is not what saves me. But if I'm not being obedient, Angela, have I really surrendered to the free gift that he gave me? I'm not real sure I have. That's so good. And another thought that I was having as you were talking too is that, you know, we like to measure success. We like to measure how, if something Mm. is successful, and usually that's by how large it is or, you know, how many people are affected or the number, you know, the numbers. And I've come to learn that the obedience is the success and the, the rest of it is God's problem. (laughs) You know, it's, it's up to the Lord Mm -hmm. what he's going to do with that. But success for us lies in the obedience to him, that surrender that you're talking about. Surrender is always a hard word for me because I'm a controller. But I, yes, I totally hear what you're saying, that, that obedience and that sur- is us surrendering to what he did for us. Well, because he primarily wants relationship, right? And right. I know I sound like a broken record, but I, like you, I think he wants the accomplishment of that thing he's calling me to. And I do, look, God wants to work in the world, Angela. He does. I mean, that's why we're here. But what what is his primary love language? His primary love language is relationship. Mm-hmm. He's invited us into a relationship with him. And I'm I'm just constantly blown away by, by this. I've, I've had this conversation with, with Susie on, on that show a, a bunch of times. I'm blown away by the idea that the creator of the universe would entangle his reputation and his glory and his fame with me. And yet he's done that. He, he, he has entangled his perfection and his, his awesomeness with a fallen individual like me. And he's invited me into the greatest story ever told. And that's the way he wants it. And so the only conclusion I can draw from that is that he wants more than anything uh, to be in proximity uh, with me. And so, you know, Yes, he's called us to set our hands to, to things, but mostly he wants to draw us to his side. Mm. Is there anything that we haven't talked about in this passage that you want to make sure that we talk about? Um, yes, actually. Um, verse, verse 13, there's a, there's a part in there, Angela, where it talks about uh, calling our minds to be alert and fully sober. And um, I just have to tell you, I think the enemy is attacking our minds today. I mm-hmm. think uh, he's attacking this, the soundness of our region, uh, of our reasoning. And look, our, 
our human intellect doesn't save us, Angela, so it shouldn't guide us. We need the divinely inspired wisdom of the Holy Spirit. It needs to transform our way of thinking. It needs to transcend our, our fleshly minds. But Angela, I, I think that God has called us to be vigilant mm -hmm. and alert and wary of threats. And I think he's, call, he, he's called us to use that magnificent mind that he's put in us and to lay that reasoning over the, the word of God to make sure that we're walking in ways that are upright. And uh, I, I would just concisely tell you this. If the commands of scripture are that we're to be alert and fully sober, I think the enemy is going to try to accomplish the exact opposite. I think he's going to dull our, try to dull our minds by inundating them with lots of non-critical stimuli, right? I mean, look around our world. <laughs> yeah, right, which is life right now. <laughs> right, like every day, right? Constant, constant information. So he's going to try to dull our minds, keep it from being alert. And then second, he's going to try to confuse our minds by causing us to believe things without testing them. We need to be alert. We need to be fully sober. And we need to use all of the faculties that God has given us so that we can stay in tune with the promptings of his Holy Spirit, so we can test that information that's coming into our brain uh, against his word and actually divine uh, what's right from wrong. So um, in all of this walking out uh, of uh, accepting his grace and then walking in obedience to him, let's be alert and let's be fully sober. Oh, so good. Dan, thank you so much for taking the time to do this I, today. I loved it, Angela. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you for joining us for this conversation about 1 Peter 1, 10 through 25. If you'd like to find out more about reading the Bible together, you can head over to MyFaithRadio.com and check out our other studies on the Reading the Bible Together resource page. Also, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes. And we'll see you tomorrow as we talk about 1 Peter 2, 1 through 12. The Reading the Bible Together podcast is a production of Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Hosted, produced, and edited by Angela Smith. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more, consider financially supporting Faith Radio. Find more information at MyFaithRadio.com. Music.